Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 34 called Defending God's Justice. Remember when Eve was next to the forbidden uh, fruit, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she was there and, this, and Satan came in and said, did God really say, oh, this is what God knows will happen if you eat that? See, the question mark was put over God's goodness. Oh, God's trying to keep back from you. No, you eat that, your eyes will be open and you'll be as God's. You'll be exalted. Isn't that the promise before you take the bite of many things in life? Go ahead. You won't believe the high you'll get from this one. And you bite. And at first it's true. Wow. Woo. Seeing things I've never seen before. And then all of a sudden the poison goes down. And for those of you who have been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. See, somehow in the midst of the suffering, Job has become convinced that God is doing it. And I will say, God has certainly allowed it. And that's where some of the question marks come in for us. You know, that, this, these are the question marks on the hearts and minds of many in our culture. How could a good God allow that? And that is a question that we do have to wrestle with. And so Elihu says, what man is like Job who drinks up derision, NIV, scorn like water? Tell me, New Living Translation, verse seven, has there ever ever been a man like Job with his thirst for irreverent talk who goes in company with the workers of iniquity and walks with wicked men? Elihu believes that Job has gulped down scorn like a thirsty desert traveler. And that mockery just flows out of him like a raging river. He he seems like a man who's listened to enough of the mockers of God that that's all he can regurgitate. That's all that can flow out of him is angst and mockery towards God. And and listen, if you want to get on internet websites and find out how much angst and mockery against God is out there, oh, you can spend the next couple of years on internet websites who espouse hate towards a God that they don't believe exists. And they want to point out to you all the alleged contradictions in the Bible, and they breathe their venom. And I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not underselling that when I say to you, it's venom. I'm not understating that. It seems like Job's been hanging around wicked men who just... Uh, have mocking words towards God. And I will tell you that the company you keep does matter. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, bad company corrupts good morals. And we have watched uh, people in many different settings, whether it's a, a young person going off into a college context where God is mocked and you're ridiculed if you're a Christian, to maybe a person who gets a group of friends and and that those group of friends begin to chirp in their ear, questioning God, questioning this, questioning that. 
And inevitably, if you don't have enough of a solid foundation, you end up just simply reiterating those ideas. And so we have to be careful. Malachi 2.17 says, You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, How have we wearied him? In that you say, Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or where is the God of justice? Verse 9 says, For he has said, It profits man nothing. Now Elihu, Elihu is quoting Job's position. It profits man nothing when he is pleased with God or tries to please God. New Living Translation, verse 9 He has even said, I waste time trying to please God. Verse 9. You ever been there before? I'm trying to do the right thing here, Lord. Sometimes people become a Christian and they hear the gospel message and sometimes it's packaged in such a way that, oh, now it's it's time for the abundant life. Everything's going to be beautiful and perfect in your life. And they don't give you the full scope of spiritual warfare and that there's going to be some trials and tribulations and maybe some people that used to hang with you may not want to hang with you anymore. And all of a sudden the person goes, whoa, what did I sign up for here? This is how Job felt, but it certainly wasn't his heart. He was trying to be a sincere and good and godly man, and he was. But he got to a point by asking this question, I try to do the right thing and I end up suffering for it. And he spent whole previous chapters saying, it seems like the wicked are just having a a grand old time. They're doing great. They're abusing their bodies. They're shaking their fist at God and nothing happens to them. And here I am trying to be a godly man in my culture, in my family, in my company, on my street. And what do I get for it? Sometimes it's hard, right? Therefore, Elihu now responds to Job's position. Therefore, listen to me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God to do wickedness and from the Almighty to do wrong. That just can't happen. For he pays a man according to his work and makes him find it according to his way. The negative and the positive. The Almighty is good. He would never act wickedly. He can do no wrong. This is unthinkable for Elihu. Yet he also states that Job is suffering just like everybody who suffers for their actions. And while it is true that God judges justly, that is not why Job is suffering. He hasn't done something evil against God. God is doing something else. And I hope you've been with us as we've delved into those uh, possibilities. Psalm 37, 28 and 29 says, The Lord loves justice and does not forsake his godly ones. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Abraham said to the Lord, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Genesis 18, 25. The answer to that is yes, yes, and triple yes. God is the standard of what is right. He is by definition just. He is the embodiment of justice. He is the embodiment of love. He is the embodiment of truth. 
If God is unjust, what are we going to do? If the standard of justice is no longer just, by what do we measure our so-called justice? That's why Elihu is saying this is unthinkable. Job, you can't say things like this. God is always just. And Proverbs 12, 14, 19, 17, and 24, 12 talk about God repaying for what people do. And though this is generally true because Proverbs are general truth statements, it is not always the case that you suffer because you did something wrong. The ultimate example of that is Jesus. And Job is another example of an innocent sufferer. And you may be suffering. And if you're going through some suffering right now, your suffering is not necessarily connected to something you did wrong. In John 9, tomorrow morning at the men's study at Honey's at 9 a.m., we're teaching John 9. In John 9, the disciples walk by. A blind man's there. They say, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus says, neither him nor his parents sinned, but this has happened, that the works of God may be manifested in that man. Do I understand that? Not completely. Do I know that Jesus is going to heal the man in John 9? Yes, because I've read it. Do I know that the man's going to say, once I was blind, but now I see? Yes. But the days leading up to that healing, that man still was in that condition. And this comes to a matter of timing. God's timing and God's uh, sovereign plan. Let me just put this to you so that you can at least hang your hat on this. God is just. He is not, nor will he ever be unfair, so that any situation that we think appears unjust or we don't get it, it's because we are lacking the information, not because God is unjust. Are you with me? See, that's our worldview as Christians. I'm lacking all the angles. I, I don't have all the information. I don't understand. I don't understand why God allows certain things. I don't understand how all these uh, you know, corners and streets move. But I know this. God is good. And you might say, well, then, well, Pastor Michael, but how do you really know that? You say that, but how do you really know that? Now, I could quote you chapter and verse, and I'm going to give you a few in a minute. But do you know how I know that God is good and just? I look at the cross. And there, love and justice intersect at the God-man, the person of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, there is justice on the cross dying in my place. The just for the unjust to bring us to God. 1 Peter 3.18 So I know enough about who God is to try to at least have a file of I have to wait for more information on this and that because I don't understand. But here's what I do know. God is good and God is just. He is the standard. He is the embodiment. And even he, the God-man, took uh, 
an injustice, the ultimate injustice at the cross. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Michael Lance says that at the end of each week, get to church. Fellowship is important. If you live in Southern California, make sure you visit the church Pastor Michael has the honor of serving as senior pastor. Living Truth Christian Fellowship is in the city of Corona on 1009 Arsenal Way. You can learn more about the church on walkintruth.com. If you listen to Walk in Truth and you're nowhere near Southern California, Pastor Michael would ask that you make an effort to get into fellowship. Being alone is needed sometimes, but it's not the way the Lord would have you live. Pastor Michael and the whole Walk in Truth team pray you get to church this week and learn more about Pastor Michael Lance, the mission of Walk in Truth, and our church at walkintruth.com. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And you might say, well then, well, Pastor Michael, but how do you really know that? You say that, but how do you really know that? Now, I could quote you chapter and verse, and I'm going to give you a few in a minute. But do you know how I know that God is good and just? I look at the cross. And there, love and justice intersect at the God-man, the person of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. There is justice on the cross, dying in my place. The just for the unjust to bring us to God. 1 Peter 3.18. So I know enough about who God is to try to at least have a file of I have to wait for more information on this and that because I don't understand. But here's what I do know. God is good and God is just. He is the standard. He is the embodiment. And even he, the God-man, took uh, an injustice, the ultimate injustice at the cross. Surely God will not act wickedly, 12. The Almighty will not pervert justice. Now we would all say, Elihu, amen. You got it right. See, Elihu is is trying to defend God. This is why he's passionate. He says, who gave, here's a series of rhetorical questions to back up his point. Who gave him, God, authority over the earth? Who has laid on him the whole world? You might put it this way. Who gave God the right to rule? Uh, No one. (laughs) Because before there was a world, there was God. God rules because he is the ruler, because he is sovereign, because he is just. I want to show you a a passage that emphasizes this. Deuteronomy 32. Let's turn there together. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So the fifth book, 32. Here's the words of Moses. 32.1. Moses got a close-up glimpse of the glory of God, at least the back parts of his glory. Moses Interacted with God as one man speaks to a friend, face to face, as it were. Direct interactions with the Most High God. Direct interactions with the law of God. 
He was the deliverer for the people of Israel. He experienced the power of God. He heard God say, proclaim his name and say that he has compassion on whom they'll have compassion. And he delights in compassion. And this is Deuteronomy 32.1. It says, give ear, O heavens, let me speak. Let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as the droplets on the fresh grass and as the showers on the herb. 32.3. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are what? They're just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Moses says God is good. All his ways are just. He is a God of faithfulness. There is no injustice in him whatsoever. And so this is what we can know. This is what we can know about God. And there are many things that happen in the world, if you go back to the book of Job, which trouble us. Many of them have to do with choices that man makes. Many of them have to do with the consequences of a broken and fallen world. Some of them are maybe to remind us that this world is under a curse and it will be made new at one point. As God speaks to Job later in chapter 38, he says to Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know? Who stretched the line on it? You know, one of God's answers to Job is, you don't have all the information, buddy. Where were you when I spoke the world into existence? Tell me if you know. Tell me how I told the oceans to stop. Tell me how I made the sea creatures so big that man can't even deal with them. Tell me if you know. See, we think we know so much. I've been around for 14 years, Dad. <laughs> think I've arrived. Right? Well, how much of the knowledge of the universe do you think you have, child of mine? Where were you when I bought this house and signed that deed with 725 pages? Where were you when I got down on my knees and prayed and consecrated this home to God? Tell me if you know. And if you know, where is your contribution to the mortgage payment? <laughs> Verse 14, Job 34. Now, he's using rhetorical questions. He says, if he should determine to do so, 34, 14, if he should gather to himself, if God should, his spirit, uh, in Hebrew thought his spirit, it, uh, it includes this idea that God breathed breath into mankind and his breath. If God should determine to do so, all flesh would perish together, man would return to the dust. Here's the New Living Translation. If God were to take back his spirit and withdraw his breath, all life would cease and humanity would turn again to dust. I think it's Daniel 5.23 when Daniel says, I believe it's to Belshazzar, in God holds your very life breath in his hand. What if God just said, all breath, return to me now? We all would be going, Bloop. you see, the Bible says that God even holds your life breath in his hand. Whew. 
How's that for heavy? See, that's why you want God to be consistent in his attributes. (laughs) You don't want him to have a bad day and say, oh, breath, return to me now. (laughs) God graciously made and holds the world together. If he wanted to, he could, and this is just, he doesn't do it because he's a God of mercy, he could take life from the entire human race in a microsecond. That's our God. And Elihu's saying, how dare you, Job, talk to a being like that and say, I don't think you're fair. But then the camera pans down to the earth and you say, I've done that for things a lot less than what Job's going through. Oh God, help me. I've had a couple of bad days in questioning some of my theology. Anybody else out there? And here's Job. He's lost his estate. He's lost his children. And Elihu is a voice of reason saying, Job, you, you've got to be careful. I want you to turn to two psalms. All right, so we're looking at Psalm 104. So go a little bit to your right. Psalm 104. His preserving grace gives me breath every day. I don't know if you've ever just taken a moment to thank God for your breath. Thank you that I woke up and could breathe some breaths. 104, Psalm 104, 24. O Lord, how many are thy works and wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy possessions. There is the sea great and broad in which are swarms without number, animals both small and great. There the ships move along in Leviathan, we'll study that later, which thou hast formed to sport in it. They all wait for thee to give them their food in due season. Thou dost give to them, they gather it up. Thou dost open thy hand, they are satisfied with good. Thou dost hide thy face, they are dismayed. Thou dost take away their spirit, notice they expire and return to their dust. Thou dost send forth thy spirit, they are created. Thou dost renew the face of the ground. Let the glory of the Lord endure forever. Let the Lord be glad in his works. You've been listening to Defending God's Justice, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 34. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. With our app, you can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Pastor Michael Lance serves as a senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives you updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events, and services, both for you and your kids. Hey, if you live outside Southern California, you can still benefit from the Living Truth app. You can listen and watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. In Revelation, when there is a commentary on the bold judgments, these words are conveyed. Righteous and true are your judgments, O Lord. And so what we can know 
uh, brethren, is that ultimately God will be just, true, and fair. And the other thing that we need to celebrate is that he is also full of mercy and compassion. I desire mercy, compassion, and not sacrifice. This is the heart of God. And so whenever we're talking about the justice of God, and you can do this when you're sharing the gospel with someone, you can talk about the law, you can talk about how we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God and the condition we're in, we deserve judgment. And then we can celebrate what God did for us. Jesus Christ came, lived the perfect life that we could never live, died on the cross, satisfied God's justice and wrath at the cross. And we, if we find ourselves in Christ, we are therefore forgiven, redeemed, and no longer are we uh, going to experience God's wrath. Our sin has been paid in full at the cross. What a, what a wonderful gospel we have to preach and what a great hope. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank Mark from Chatsworth, California for his donation and just to say a big thank you to all of our partners with Walk in Truth. We're so grateful for you. Thanks for your prayers. Thanks for your love. We're so grateful that you're taking this journey with us and we'll see you tomorrow as we talk about waiting for justice. God bless you. Remember, we've skipped over some of Pastor Michael's teachings in the book of Job. But you could listen or watch those teachings when you download our free Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. And join us tomorrow on this station for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Job chapter 34 called Defending God's Justice. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.